awesome. Uh, huge thank you to Sketchfolio and Jason Shevlin, who does all of our graphics and videos and uh, social media stuff. They absolutely crush it. So can we thank them for what they do? Huge, huge, huge. Hey, there are several seats up here. Uh, you two, Chris, Rebecca, come on up here. You can sit with Sandy up here. A special seat for you right here by Sandy. Awesome. Hey, do me a favor, turn uh, at your table or, or your long table and say hello to someone that you don't know, maybe get their name. Uh, just take a moment. Enough of that. Yeah, just for you two. I know some of you are mortified by me even doing that, so sorry about that. Thanks for playing along. You can go back to your shell. Uh, we don't do it often, but every now and then we make you poke out a little bit, say hello, and then you can go back in. Uh, glad you're here. If you have your Bibles, please open them to the book of Isaiah. It's... Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, all of our Bibles were in the seats, they're in the office. We're going to put you to work after the service, so make sure you stretch. Um, if, but if you have your Bible, it's in the middle of the, of the Bible, uh, the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. Isaiah 9 is going to be the chapter and the verse that drives us throughout this Christmas series. And what we're going to do in this series is we're going to look at the specific names of Jesus that are found within this chapter that describe why Jesus is our king. We're going to unpack all of these. We find these names in this uh, old, old Testament prophecy about 700 years before Jesus was born, that this prophecy was given of, of what Jesus would be called and, and what he would act like and what, what, what would he accomplish. And in this time that this prophecy is given, there's a lot of turmoil that's going on. This isn't one of those uh, picture-perfect Hallmark movie uh, descriptions of, of the land. This is a really tumultuous time that the prophecy is given, which makes it seem that much more odd that a prophecy like this would be given at such a time as this. There's a lot of fear and a lot of wars. And I want to read with you uh, a, a few verses if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. This is from Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1. It says this, nevertheless there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Natali, but in the future he will honor Galilee and the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. 
every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, for the fuel, for the fire. And then we come to the famous verse six, a verse that is often used in the Christmas season. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Help me out with this. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Let's pray together. God, so we stand before you in this time of tumultuous war, blood-soaked rolls. A son is prophesied. A king is going to be delivered and on the government will rest on his shoulder and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and the prince of peace. And God, we need that in our lives today. We need it in our culture today. We need it in our marriages and in our parenting, in our relationships, in our own psyche. We need you, our king, to come and do your work. So just as it provided hope so many hundreds and thousands of years ago, would you please, Holy Spirit, come and give us the hope of Christmas today. We pray in that name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. You may have a seat. So today we want to look at the prophetic title of our King Jesus that would be called Wonderful Counselor. I am very pro-counseling. Uh, I am on a regular basis directing people to counselors. I am currently seeking counseling for some PTSD from when I was a cop. I am very, very pro-counseling. But what's interesting is we have a great counselor, a wonderful counselor that is beyond our wildest imagination. Amen. And he's our king. And, and these two words, wonderful counselor, they came from two Hebrew words, Pele Ya'atz. Please pronounce that with me. Pele Ya'atz. Do it again. It's not a soccer player. It's Pele Ya'atz. This is what it means. Pele means beyond understanding, extraordinary, hard to understand. It means too wonderful for words. In other words, I can't describe it. And when Isaiah was going to describe the one day savior of the world, he was struggling to find the words. So he used Pele. I don't know how else to say this. He's wonderful. He's beyond even that. He didn't have words to describe him, so he said, there are not enough great words to describe what I'm about to tell you, and so I'll just say he is Pele. Yats, the counselor. It means to advise or to consult or to God. And one day will be born. 700 years, he says. One day there's going to be born a savior. And I don't know how to describe him to you. The Holy Spirit has prompted my heart to tell you it's coming. And it's Pele, it's beyond our imagination. And his name will be Bele Ya'at. He will be the wonderful counselor. He is God in the flesh. How do you describe God in the flesh? 
How do you describe the God of all creation is going to come in man form in the form of a baby? How in the world do you begin to describe that? So Isaiah does what, he, what, what is only available to him, the, the Hebrew word Pele. This is amazing. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He could have gone on and on and on to describe it, but he's going, I have no idea how to convey the magnitude of what is about to happen to you. The king. And he knows and he cares for you and he understands exactly what you are going through. And he understands and cares about what you're going through today. And therefore, he can be your wonderful counselor. One of the things that people often misunderstand in regards to church or, or Jesus or, or the, the religion Christianity is that Jesus came for the sick. Did you know that? He didn't come for the well. He didn't come for the well-dressed. He didn't come for the perfect family. He didn't come for the perfect marriage. He didn't come for those of you who have perfect kids. He came for the sick. He came for those who struggle. He, he came for those who have difficulty. That's who Jesus came for. He came for those who were in need. And there's this interesting story in the Bible where Jesus calls one of his closest advisors called disciples. He calls Matthew. Matthew at the time is a tax collector. And he says, I want you to be a part of my inner circle. Now, if you know anything about tax collectors, they're the farthest thing from Jesus. They're rude. They're, they're, they were despised. They had short tempers. They only had one thing on their mind in those days, and that was collecting money. It didn't matter your circumstances. And Jesus comes, and he calls those who have hard hearts, self-centered and rude, sick people. But Jesus came for them. Jesus sees something, and he sees something in you. Amen. He sees something in your kids. He sees something in, in your family members, in your friends, in your coworkers. So I'm curious this morning as we kick off this series of looking at our king, where are you sick? Where is your heart and your mind sick? You don't have to be embarrassed about it because there's not a single one of us in this room or watching online that we're not sick or have been sick or will be sick. And maybe it's past scars. Maybe it's a, a current situation. But where are you sick? Because truthfully, at one point or another, you're going to be. You know, the holidays are wonderful. It looks beautiful in here, right? I mean, the team just decorated incredibly. But the holidays are an interesting thing. They, magnet, uh, they, they bring magnitude to the good. They also magnify the bad. If things are really, really good, they become even better in the holidays. You celebrate those things. If there's tension and scars and heartache and family situations, those become magnified during the holidays as well. So where are you sick? It could be that you're depressed, a heaviness, a weight of hopelessness. Others of you, you live in fear. What's going to happen next? 
where's life taking me? How is this all going to work out? Nothing's good enough and things could get even worse. And so you live with this anxiety and you work your whole life to mask it so that no one can ever really see who you really are. Some of you, you're stressed. You're looking at all the things you have to get done. You're already overwhelmed and you think, how am I supposed to get even more done during the holidays? You've got family coming over. Some of them are super critical, so you need to make sure the house is absolutely perfect. You're going to have the meal ready, and so you've got to work at making sure the meal is perfect because you know that great Aunt Ethel is going to walk in and she's going to see the dust that you missed. And so there's anxiety and there's stress. Maybe for you it's financial. You think we're, we're, we're barely making it already and I've got all these bills that's coming to the end of the year. I only have one more paycheck left for the year and I've got Christmas presents and I have to somehow pay all these bills. How am I going to do this? And, and there's a sickness with that financial stress. Some of you are lonely. You look at families, so, several families sitting around here and they're incredible and they look good and they smell good and they act good. Most of you smell good. And, and, and you look at that and you're like, wow, man, I wish I had that. I'm lonely. I, I wish I had the community that I see in, in some pockets around here. Where are you sick? I want to encourage you this Christmas season, just acknowledge yours. Don't grab it as my family did growing up where we, we, we would literally just kind of do this. Some, maybe some of you guys had this family, any of you? Where you pull up the rug and sweep it under and then cover it up and then make sure the rug's perfect and it looks nice. That does you no good. It does your marriage no good. It, it does the work that Jesus wants to do in and through you no good. Right. To acknowledge our sickness, it's, it's healthy. And we have to remember in this Christmas season that there is good news even in the midst of our sickness. And that is that we have a wonderful counselor. We have the best counselor. We have the counselor that we can't even describe. If you came to me and said, hey, do you know a marriage counselor? I said, yeah, um, tell me about him. And I'm like, I don't really know how to describe him. You'd, you'd probably be cautious to take my advice. But this is the wonderful counselor, the Paleoats, because he came for the sickness of the world that includes you. And I just want you to know that if, if there's a sickness you're dealing with right now, a struggle, an employment, a relationship, uh, a depression, an anxiety, thoughts of, of wanting to hurt yourself, a conflict in your marriage, conflict in relationship with your folks, scars from your childhood, you are safe here because this is exactly who Jesus came for. So you have a prime seat. So this morning, I want to look at three things, if you're taking notes, that we need to embrace regarding the name of our Lord, Wonderful Counselor. If you have a notebook or you have your phone or an iPad or your Bible, you're going to want to jot some of these down because I promise you, even if they don't come into play right now, they will in the future. Three things we must embrace regarding the name of the Lord, the Wonderful Counselor. Number one, he is on your side. 
He cares about you. So often when you're in the thick of it, you can feel like I'm all along, I'm all alone, no one cares, no one understands, and I want to say to you, God is on your side, he cares for you. John 14, 1 says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Some counselors, some counselors will, will only care about you as long as they receive payment. They will sit with you session after session after session, year after year after year, as long as they get paid. But not Jesus. Jesus cares about you as a person. He's not interested in you looking perfect. He's not interested in you acting perfect. He's not interested in you saying all the right things. He wants the good, the bad, the ugly, the mud, the dirt, the muck, the sin. Why? Because that's why he came to the cross. You don't see Jesus showing up in the Bible and going and hanging out with the church people. Those that had the beautiful white robes and all the gold and the polished silverware. No, he comes and he hangs out with the prostitute and the tax collector. The people who were in need. He cares about your character. He cares about your story. He cares about your spiritual growth and your emotional welfare. He cares about the pain that you suffer. And he views you as ultimate high worth and value. It's like one of those cartoons. You remember growing up as a kid, they didn't have the, the greatest... Uh, animatronics back then, but you'd see a cartoon character and hearts would shoot out of their eyes. It's how God sees you. Ultimate worth and ultimate love. You could hear it in his words. Do not let your heart be troubled. In these words, there's a caring spirit. As a pastor, I'm, I'm limited in my insight to you. I'm not a mind reader. And you can fool me some of the time. So I'm limited on my insight to how to care for and love you. But not Jesus. Jesus isn't limited in any way. He knows if your heart's hardened. He knows if there's a, a struggle deep down in that you can't even put words to. And he cares. Not on a global scale of care. He genuinely cares. And so there might be some of you sitting here today or if you're watching online and your heart is troubled. I, Brian, am not going to look at you and say, don't let your hearts be troubled. But Jesus will. Jesus will look at you and say, don't let your heart be troubled. Why? Because he's the only one that can do something about it. I'm limited. You are limited. The, the ones that are closest to you are limited, but our wonderful counselor isn't limited. And unless you trust that your counselor is on your side, there's no point in going through those counseling sessions. Trust our king for help. That's why he's called the wonderful counselor. He's not going to leave us to fend for ourselves. He's not going to leave you to say, figure it out. 
He's not going to say, well, you're feeling down. Throw on a Hallmark movie, grab a, a, a mug of hot chocolate, and, and buck up. It's pretty outside. You've probably heard it say that God helps those who help themselves. Have you heard that? Yes, raise your hand if you've heard that. God helps those who help themselves. The truth of the matter is when you've reached the bottom, God helps those who can't help themselves. God helps those who get to a place where I can't help me anymore. And we wonder why the church in America is one of the fastest declining churches in all of the world. It's because we help ourselves. Instead of going, I'm at the bottom. I can't help myself anymore. I can't fix my marriage. I can't affect this guy who I married 15 years ago, who now I don't even like, but I'm stuck with him. I can't change my kids. I can't change my job situation. I can't change life circumstances. But God helps those who can't any longer help themselves. The Bible is filled with it. If you hear nothing else this morning, I beg you to give up. Honestly, I beg you to give up helping yourself. Meditation mantras, self-help books, journaling, a nice long walk, sitting by the fire. That's only going to get you so far. But when you decide I've had enough, I can't help myself, and you decide you're going to not walk, not run, not briskly move, but sprint to your God, that is when you will find help. Notice I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about even having a relationship. I'm talking about I've had enough. Because when you see no way out, God steps in. And too often we go, well, I actually see 10 ways out. And God's one of them. And we wonder why our lives are the way they are. If you call on him, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says this. It gives us this problem, uh, this promise. Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will what? Anybody here looking for rest? Yes. Any of you tired? You're tired of carrying the burden? Tired of carrying the problem? Tired of carrying the, the decision? Tired? T- just tired? Statistics say we're living in the most tired state of times that our world has ever known. And we have Tempur-Pedic beds. <laughs> we have MyPillow.com. I have one of those pillows. Commercial. Maybe I'll get endorsement deal here. MyPillow.com. It's a great pillow. I don't know how else to do an advertisement, but I have one of those pillows. Huh? Was it great? I practiced in front of the mirror this morning. Not too rushed. Anyway, we live in the most exhausted time that our world has ever known. We're tired in every way known to mankind. We're tired physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. How many times do you go up to someone, hey, how's it going? Good, I'm just exhausted. You go up to a teenager, I'm not ripping on teenagers at all. 
Coleman, maybe you, but I'm not rich. I'm not ripping on any other teenagers other than Coleman. They're exhausted, and I want to go. Why are you exhausted? You do not have sons. <laughs> Name Seth and Luke. You have no reason to be tired. Well, I have homework assignments. Oh, and you get to go away to a quiet room where no one bothers you and just do that? <laughs> What's that? Anybody else need the iPads that didn't sign up? Raise your hand. Mark will come serve you in the back. Anyway, that's just whatever. I don't even know what I'm doing with that, but it's a promise. God's not going to turn his back on us. He won't abandon us. God cares for us. He's on your side. That's right. Even when it doesn't feel like it, he is on your side. He's our king. What a great gift. Number two, if you're taking notes, second thing we must embrace and learn is to listen to the counselor's voice. To listen to what Jesus, the wonderful counselor, will say to us. In, in fact, look at the advice given to the disciples of Jesus. Mark 9, you can read this whole story some other time on your own. Mark chapter 9. Jesus takes three of his disciples up to a mountain and God did this crazy, miraculous kind of Star Trek, Star Wars transformation. You can read about it, it's incredible. And God transfigured Jesus into this glowing, dark, shiny, beautiful thing before Moses and Elijah. It was just crazy. And you can picture these three images that are standing here and the disciples are, are excited, they're scared, they have no idea what's going on. This transfiguration is happening before their eyes and they're like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing. We, and I know this would be your response, we should build an altar. Because I know you've built several altars this week when cool things have happened. Well, that was their response. And as they get ready, they're in awe, holy smokes, we've never seen anything like this. They start putting things together to build an altar. And then as fast as the two additional people appeared, they're gone. And they're thinking, man, like, maybe it was the nachos. <laughs> Did that just happen? What, what in the world just ha like, there was a glow, and there were other people. Now they're gone. We were going to build an altar. I better sit down. And what do you think God said when he had three, these three disciples' attention like he never had before? Do you ever have someone's attention? I know it's rare. <laughs> They're usually looking at a phone. But you ever have someone where you're like, ooh, I've got all of them right now. God has all of these guys. He has their attention. And here's what God said in Mark chapter 9, verse 7. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son. Then what did God say? What did God say? Everybody, what did God say? This is my son. Listen to him. It 
in a culture that wants to dismiss the words of Jesus. In a culture that wants to say Jesus' words are just one of many. That Jesus was a great teacher. He was a great rabbi. He was a great prophet. He was a good dude. But he's just one of many. God speaks from the clouds and says, this is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. And if there are three words that God might say to you this morning, it's listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to the words of Jesus. Listen to what he wants to say to you. Now you might say, well, how does Jesus speak? Okay, listen to him. I'm listening. All I hear is kids. Listen to him. How, how am I supposed to do that? Well, he speaks in all different ways. He's the wonderful counselor who speaks. He might speak to you today through me. He might speak to you today through a song that Alex and the team lead us in. He might speak to you today through a cup of coffee after the service where someone walks up to you, says hello, you get past the like, hey, how was your week? Good. That garbage small talk. And you actually get into some depth of getting to know each other. And someone says something to you and God speaks to you through that person. He might speak to you through that person you work with and you say, well, uh, I don't work with anybody who's a Christian. Great, I don't, God's not limited by Christians. If he can speak through a burning bush, if he can speak through a cloud, he can certainly speak to someone who isn't walking with Jesus. So he might speak to you through someone you work with. He might speak to you on the way home as you're listening to a song or as you turn and look out the window. He might speak to you. He might speak to you through a daily devotion or, or through a circumstance. Because listen, if you train your heart and your eyes and your soul to recognize the voice of God, you will see he's speaking to you all the time. Why? Because that's who God is. It's a personal relationship. And he wants to speak to you. Sometimes... We don't want to hear what he has to say. But he will speak. For some of you, you've been far from God. And so you don't as easily recognize the master's voice. It, it seems foreign to you. I've got four kids. I, I can be in a crowd like this it could be chaos. And if I hear one of my kids say, hey, dad, I recognize their voice. I have a whistle. Not like a physical whistle, I whistle. We, we could be in the middle of, of Mile High Stadium, and if I whistle loud enough, my kids will hear that whistle and come running. They're not dogs. So please don't send me an email going, that was pretty disparaging. Listen, I got to... I got to get their attention somehow, okay? It's, it's safer than throwing things at them. But they will hear the whistle. They will come around. They've turned, they've tuned their heart to hear that. 
When, when my boys, they're part of a gang, not a street gang, not a motorcycle gang, but like a little eight-year-old gang uh, on our street. There's like tons of kids. And if I hear one of our kids cry, which is often, I can hear that and be able to differentiate that cry from the neighbor's kid. The other kid, I don't care. <laughs> they have parents. I have, I have limited amount of sympathy and empathy, uh, and that's designated for mine. I recognize it. John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep do what they do. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We embrace that Jesus is on our side. That he cares about us. And we listen to the counselor's voice. And number three, if you're taking notes, above all the others, we must do what the counselor tells us to do. It's not just enough to know the counselor's on your side. It's not just enough to recognize his voice. You got to do what the counselor says. Very few of you will pay 300 bucks to go see a therapist and the therapist says, I would encourage you to journal two minutes every morning. And you're like, I'll consider it. That's an expensive consideration. No, you'll do it. You'll implement it. Why? Because the expert told you to do it. When he speaks, we must do what he tells us to do even when we don't feel like it. Even when we don't understand because frankly, Jesus will ask us to do a lot of things that we don't understand or we don't want to do. Our king might ask you to do something that logically makes no sense. That's who he is. Just spilled coffee on the Bible. A lot of judgment. <laughs> Mark chapter 10, there's this story about a rich guy. Maybe you can relate to this guy. He's super moral, he, but he's grabbed all the things of the world. Like, he's got everything. You ever, do, you, do you know anybody like that where you're like, I don't even know what to get them. They have everything. That's not me, by the way. <laughs> so if you're like, ah, what, what, what should we get, Brian? Name it. <laughs> Josh, where's Josh? Josh Valdez. Josh, Josh is outside. This is perfect. Josh is wearing skinnier jeans today <laughs> because he lost weight. So if you guys could do me a favor, after the service, just go, man, those jeans look good on you. All right? <laughs> Serves him right for being out there. All right, here we go. He's got all these things. If, if he were alive today, if this rich ruler were to be alive today, he's got everything. He's got the car. He's got the house. He's got the big screen TV. He's got the Apple Watch. He has the iPad. He's got the hot wife. He's got everything. Like this guy's literally got it all. And he wouldn't surrender. And we catch this story in Mark chapter 10, verse 20. And he says this, teacher, I've, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. I want you to focus on these words. Jesus knew this guy's sickness. 
He loved his stuff. This guy, like many of us, he was sick. His sickness was he loved all material possessions. But Jesus didn't look at him and go, hey man, you're a loser. You need to get your act together. You're a bum. I don't like you. Get away from me. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. He loved him. And Jesus went on to tell something to this man that he didn't want to hear. Jesus, because he loves you, may tell you something that you don't want to hear. This morning, he might be saying, your marriage is not what it should be. Be the man and go to counseling. He might be saying to you, you have been participating in behavior that you and I both know is destructive and it needs to stop. I don't know what your sickness is. We've all got one. But Jesus might tell you something that you need to hear, but you don't want to hear. Jesus might say, there's this relationship you're in and it needs to stop. Some of you, you've made some pretty bad financial decisions. You find yourself up to your nose and in debt and bad financial situations, and you got to downsize and make things right. And yeah, it might be hard for a while, but it will be freeing in the long run. Some of you, you've got this whole second life going on that no one else knows about, and it needs to stop. Maybe you've got an addiction. And, and addiction, the word addiction can be so many different things. And it needs to be addressed. Confess, come clean, be real, be transparent, be vulnerable. It'll be the greatest gift you ever receive and how God responds back to you. And then look at what Jesus said. And we'll close with this. Jesus said, go sell everything that you have and give it to the poor and you'll have a treasure in heaven and then come follow me. Now, before we skip over that and close in prayer, I, I just, I want to take just a moment to let that sink in. Go sell your car, go sell your house, get rid of your TV, sell all of your clothes, every possession, all of your gold, all of your jewelry, all your money, just get rid of everything. Go get your favorite chair that you watch football in, your bedspreads, literally get it all, put it in a moving truck, sell it all, give it all away, but do this and then come follow me. Pretty dramatic thing. Here's what the scriptures say happened. And I feel for this guy. The scriptures say that his face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Can you feel that pain in this man? 
Jesus says, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to do something that's literally going to break your heart. And then come follow me. You'll find life. And his face fell. And he was sad. God might be telling you to do something today as as your counselor. And your face is going to fall and you're going to be sad. doesn't mean it's wrong. It just hurts. This man was unwilling to obey the words of the wonderful counselor. that God has told me to do this, but he has. I need you to walk through this with me. There are so many people in this room that would gladly do that with you. I I started by saying I am so pro-counseling. Big time. And, And maybe a counselor can help you right now. Maybe a dear friend in this room or or a family member that you can call can help you for a moment. But ultimately, there is one counselor and his name is Jesus. There is one counselor that knows all of who you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter the scars. It doesn't matter how hard this heart really is. God, our King, is willing to counsel you through it. To help you. To encourage you. To walk with you. To bring things to light. Because he doesn't want you just to stay who you are. There's more to come. There's more to be had. There's more of his power. There's more of his love. There's more of his grace. There's more truth to be uh, made known to us. He is the son of God. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting father. He is our king. He is the prince of peace. He is the Pele Ya'atz. He is the counselor that we have no words to describe. And he's willing to dig deep inside your soul and reveal himself. This counselor who is beyond description. This counselor that the prophet Isaiah over 3,000 years ago said, I don't even know how to tell you this. But something big is coming. That counselor loves you. Cares about you. My prayer this Christmas season as we unpack the King, as we unpack these names of Jesus, is that you will literally fall to your knees in awe that the God of all creation, the wonderful counselor, stands by you. That is cool. Let's pray together and then we'll sing.
our great Pele Yaats, our wonderful counselor beyond words, we surrender and submit to you. We acknowledge that you are Lord of all things. We acknowledge that you are King of Kings. We acknowledge that everything submits to you. We acknowledge that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. We acknowledge that you have insights into our relationships, into our kids, into our marriages, into our own addictions, our own struggles, our own anger, our own criticism, our own judgment. You have insights into that that can bring about change. And we do not go through a mediator. We do not go through a high priest for a high priest came and hung on the cross to give us complete access to the Holy of Holies, to the Father. So that's what makes Christmas the best. And so God, as we reflect on this passage, as we get ready for next week where we unpack the mighty God, as we worship, as we celebrate, would you embrace us? the good, the bad, and the ugly. In Christ's name we pray.